Welcome into the Lockdown Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw. Today I'm joined by Chris Carlson of Syracuse.com to discuss the incredible story of Nathan Knight and why you should be rooting for him on the New York Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. You are locked on Knicks, and this episode is brought to you by Fandle Sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit Fandle.com slash Locked On today to get started. I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day because we are now available on all platforms that includes on YouTube. So if you want to become an everydayer on the video side of things, remember to hit that subscribe button and hit that notifications bell so you never, ever miss an episode. Be sure to subscribe on the audio side as well. Speaking of subscriptions, we have a new option if uh, five episodes a week isn't enough for you. You can text us now. Just join our subtext group. All you have to do is hit uh, the link, which is in the episode description, both on the audio side and on the video side. And Alex and I will text you to answer all your next questions, give you initial takes on stuff like Dante DiVincenzo resigning, our thoughts immediately after games, and, and maybe even some bonus articles and content. Uh, I am really, really excited um, to start talking to you guys one-on-one. So join us on subtext. And uh, who would you be talking to? I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster who has been covering the NBA uh, both in Phoenix and in New York for about eight years now, which is uh, pretty crazy to say, but very excited to talk with Chris, uh, Nathan Knight, the newest Nick. You might be asking, why are we, why are we doing a whole episode on Nathan Knight? Is, is he even going to play? Um, I think he might. I think he could have a slightly bigger role than people think. And I think most importantly, he is a native New Yorker who has an incredible story, and I just uh, wanted to get it out to more people because the one Chris wrote is really good, and it is going to be linked um, also in the uh, description of this episode if you want to read the whole thing. But he talks about a whole lot of the stuff uh, right now on Locked on Knicks. As promised, we are joined by Chris Carlson, a reporter and writer at Syracuse.com. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about Nathan Knight. Um, I told you over email, but I'll tell you again. I just, just in doing a little research on him for myself, I found your story on him from a few years ago. Really hit home with me. Thought it was cool. Thought Knicks fans everywhere should know it. So thanks for taking some time to talk about it. Yeah, no problem. I mean, he, he's an awesome story. And the, the type of story that Knicks fans, you know, should be rooting for, right? You're getting that type of guy, the, the type of guy that you want to have success. Awesome. All right. So I, I wanted to start off where it all started off for Nate. Um, can you tell me a little bit just about his childhood and, and what was, what it was like for him just growing up in Syracuse? Yeah. So, so, so Syracuse um, for folks that don't know, um, you know, uh, it's uh, we have major sort of poverty issues, segregated poverty um, in this area. It's one of the most sort of impoverished by segregation areas um, in the country. Um, and, and Nate grew up sort of in the middle of that. Um, he had a, a young sister. Nate was really young, um, but he had a young, when he was super young, um, his sister um, stabbed to death at a 
apartment complex. Um, so, you know, family that dealt with those types of issues, um, but grew up with a mom who was super supportive, um, a stepfather that was super supportive um, and played a bunch of basketball. Uh, when he was in high school, he was sort of an overweight kid. Um, so, so um, again, right. It, that type of environment, your diet's not the best, right. You're, you're dealing with some of those issues. Um, but really became a, was a very good basketball player in high school, but was not a star here. Um, went to prep school, um, because he had great size. He was pretty athletic for his size, um, dropped a lot of the weight, um, still was not really highly recruited, um, out of prep school until the very end of his prep school, um, experience. Um, when William and William and Mary offered him earlier than most, and like he committed to William and Mary and he was like, not going to go through the recruiting process again. He'd made his choice. These were the people that wanted me. Um, I'm going to William and Mary. Um, so for folks that don't know, uh, William and Mary's a, a, has traditionally been a pretty bad basketball program in, yeah. in the colonial athletic association. It's like, you know, not a great league, pretty bad team and not a great league. Uh, you don't get many NBA prospects out of that place. Mm. Um, but he really worked his butt off to become, um, you know, one of the best centers in college basketball um, by the time he was a senior, um, you know, maybe a little short for a center um, as right. But as Knicks fans know, you know, you know funny? I, I, he's listed on ESPN at six ten, and I think on basketball reference at six, eight. So I've, I've just been rolling with six, nine, but yeah. 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 Six, nine is probably right. You know, I, I, if he's playing center, you're playing small and you probably don't want to do it right. He's a sub. Um, and he can yeah. fill in at center. Um, but yeah, you're going a little small. Um, um, I, I, I want to, I want to zoom back with you, Chris, a, a little bit, because you, you really drove home in this story and, and, and maybe part of it was, was just being that environment, but it, it also like it, it very, very easy in that type of situation to get really bitter. Right. And like, and have things just kind of snowball and go wrong. And, and, and you, empath you, you emphasize very early on, like, um, his mom, um, there was someone named Helen Hudson, who was the co-founders of an organization called Mothers Against Gun, Gun Violence. And then um, Nathan Knight's mom, uh, Jocelyn, like eventually um, joined it um, after like a lot of persistence from Helen. And, and you kind of drove home that like Nate was like there with her at every meeting. I mean, can you just tell me like a little bit about like just like his personality as a younger kid? Because he seemed like someone who was like forced to grow up very quickly and unlike I mean, understandably, like most people would be in that situation. Like he like seemingly handled it like incredibly well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, if you, if you meet him, it, he was super mature that, and yeah. you have to attribute that to that type of experience. I mean, when he was at William and Mary, um, right. And I didn't do this when I was in college, but he, he, he tried to get every ounce out of his education. Um, Helen Hudson is our, our common council president here. Um, and she had a, a child that was, was killed in gun violence. Um, so, and so her response to that was to show up at the site of, of every child in Syracuse who um, was killed in a, a gun violence incident and protest and just bring attention to that issue in Syracuse. Um, and Jocelyn was, Jocelyn, who, who was Nate's mom, was, lived in her neighborhood. And Helen would check, up, would check up on her and be like, are you okay? 
are you okay? Um, do you want to talk about it? <laughs> and she, you know, and she just sort of wore down Nate's mom until um, Jocelyn started doing the same thing. And Nate was there and he saw it. And I, he didn't talk a lot about his youth to me. Um, you know, it, it, I met him for the first time and it was tough to maybe break through that level of the shell. Yeah. Um, but it was very clear that he was very mature and that going through that experience had sort of shaped him and, and he'd had to deal with some serious things at a very young age. And he dealt with it incredibly well. I mean, it, right. You know, right. Like you said, it, it either breaks you or makes you and, and it made him. Yeah. And you, I mean, you, you talked about this a little already, but like in high school, he was like only five ten as a freshman. I, I think there was, there was a, a quote in there from his high school coach that like, like much less than looking at him as like a future D one guy. Like it was like, all right, is he even going to like get off JV? Is he going to make the team? Um, what was, what was the process like of him turning uh, from that? into like, as you said, like overweight, a guy who like might've even been football first into like a legitimate D one prospect. And then, and then again, at prep school, it seemed like there were doubters, like he's a little overweight, didn't stand out. And like his initial viewing from like college coaches and then just seemingly like push through that and like hit another level. All right, guys, when we get back with Chris, I want, I want to talk about uh, what kind of impact uh, Nathan could potentially make on the Knicks um, and uh, how he's going to fit, what his strengths are, what some of his weaknesses might be and how his uh, time developing in college influenced all those factors. But before I do that, I want to tell you about our good buddies over at FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200. You can spend betting everything from the money line to the over under to who you think is going to get the first home run. All on the app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I think when he was in high school, right, he, he's just sort of a just a guy um, and not a bad basketball player, but like he's a guard. Uh, and he's got like average guard skills for a high yeah. school player in Syracuse, <laughs> you know? So, you know, uh, we're not talking about average college guard. We're just talking about average kid, sure. you know, guard. Um, and then just had a, a massive growth spurt. So then suddenly he's got, you know, not superstar guard skills, but like guard skills in a very big, body um that still needed to lose some weight but you know all of a sudden you've got a guy with like who's pretty reasonably skilled reasonably skilled at six eight six nine um you know and, and that was he was always offensively skilled um in college and sort of the question but but he was a center so the question was how good can he be um sort of outside of that, of playing center, because he's not going to be able to play bully ball in the NBA the yeah. way that he was able to do for most of his college career. It was funny. I was just watching a, a podcast with, um, I mean, obviously it's another level of player, but Draymond Green, and and he kind of played the same way in, in high school and like through college where like he, he said like uh, one of my idols was like Shaq growing up and I, I like took it upon myself to just like bulldoze through people. And he had um, a, a scout for the Pistons like, who, who we knew like through uh, Michigan connections kind of come up and approach him and say like, Hey, big guy, like you're, you're not going to play like that in the NBA. Like, and it, and it, it really, 
it's this incredible, like I saw something from Donovan Mitchell on this too, but it's, it's this incredible thing where like, there's maybe like, I don't know, like maybe this number is too big, but like 5,000 guys, like theoretically, like every couple of years capable of playing in the NBA and like almost more than anything else, like sure. Some guys just have like 1% of 1% of 1% skill, but it's like self-awareness that separates them. And it seems like that's something that like Nathan, like never really lacked throughout his career. And it seemed like you could, you could tell me more about it, but his time at like, William and Mary, like staying all four years, like taking advantage of the fact that it's an incredible academic school. Like, like he seemed just like exceptionally self-aware. And then by the time he was a senior, he was one of the best players in the country. Yeah. I, for, I forget what exactly he, I think it was economics, but he was like very like numbers focused mm-hmm. in college. And um, right. As the NBA has become more into analytics have become a thing like, you know, he started to realize that that you know, guys my size aren't going to be able to live around the paint in the NBA. Um, so there was like a, an interesting balance that he had to find with his college coach, right? Because his college coach, the most effe- the most eff- effective play for him in college was to like be in the paint and mm. score paint buckets, but that wasn't going to be best for Nate's development long term. So they really, his senior year, there was a little bit of like a push-pull in terms of like when you're going to do what you need to do and when you're going to do what we need to do. Um, And they had a really honest conversation about that going into his senior year. Um, And, uh, you know, at least at the time, Nate was like super happy with how it went, you know, with kind of the, the balance that he found in college in terms of the freedom they gave him to take the occasional three-point shot, you know, the occasional mid-range jumper versus just sort of putting him underneath the rim and letting him play bully ball. And on the other end of the floor, because I know he became only, only the second guy ever to be CAA player of the year and CAA defensive player of the year. What made him so great on the defensive end? So again, like he was, he was really good. I mean, around the paint, Yeah, you know, he, he's blocking shots. He's very big for that league. He's very athletic for that league. Um, he was just a really, really great interior defender. Um, the thing that I don't know, and and because I haven't watched him a ton in the NBA, is like how good a defender he is out in space. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't think he got a ton of opportunities to do that in college. And like his body type, he's a big, broad-shouldered guy. So So when he's playing like a really tall athletic four, like, I don't know how that's going to go. Um, and it could maybe, you know, that could be a skill that he's really developed for all I know. Um, I, you know, I just haven't gotten to see him a bunch in the G League and the NBA. But that would be like my question is, is when he's going against an athletic four who's t- able to take him outside, you know, how's he going to do? But I mean, he, he's strong. He'll rebound. Um, you know, he's a little undersized, but I don't think he's going to get shoved around by a center. You know, I, I think he can hold his own down there. Um, you know, I, I don't know how we'll be on the perimeter, but I guess you, you, you'll find out and you'll have to tell me. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be fascinating to see what role he ultimately plays on the Knicks. They, the reason, like, I mean, one, I, I just think it's a fantastic story and he seems like an incredible human being. But two, the reason I wanted to do this is, like, there's a world where he, like, legitimately – ends up in a substantial role on the Knicks because I, I think their idea going into the season is we're going to try playing small. We're going to try forcing Tibbs's hand and play some RJ Barrett at power forward, play some Josh Hart at power forward, like get 
like if not more shooting on the floor, more skill and speed on the floor because they essentially treated Obi Toppin like an oversized guard who could guard power forwards on the other end. But I wonder if Tibbs at some point is going to be like, I really like having big dudes out there. And maybe Jericho Sims is the first guy he goes to. But Nate shot uh, last season a relatively small sample size, but close to 37% from three. So if he can yep. do that, if he can defend a little bit, and from what I've seen, like his issue in space is mostly just awareness. But to your point, like you don't have a lot of reps in the NBA, like that can be a thing that takes some time to develop and takes reps. And it, it generally takes um, a lot of time for rookies to get to that point. Um, I, I guess he's a smart guy. Yeah. Like, like, you know, yeah. in terms of awareness, I think like, uh, I would bet on him getting the awareness part, you know, whether he's yeah. got the foot speed and that sort of thing. I don't know, but right. No. And that's, that's a great question and a, and a great point. Um, but I, I know you, um, and, th- and this was, you, you wrote this article to be clear. Like, I, I believe like during his senior year of college or, or just after his, his senior year of college, I mean, at that point, were you forecasting that the NBA was a possibility for him? Did you think he'd be a second round pick or like a guy would eventually go over to Europe? Or like, what, what did you kind of see in his game at that point? There was some talk that he'd be a second round pick um, sort of, but, but also with the knowledge that like basketball is moving away from that type of guy. And, and he yeah. really knew like, I'm going to have to improve my shooting. Um, if, if I want to stay in the NBA, that is a thing that I think I can do. Like I, I shoot free throws pretty well. I have those guard skills, but like I haven't done it in, in a long time. Um, and I think that, to me, that that's a little bit of why he's intriguing for the Knicks. You, you mentioned like his, his efficiency from three, like yeah. it was not very good. Like his, again, small sample size, all of his three seasons, but like yeah. he's gotten better both from inside the arc and from the three beyond the three point line um, each of the three years he's played. Um, yeah. And he knows that like, like that is something we talked about heading, heading out of college. He's like, I need to like get better at that. That, that is what I need to do. And he did it. So like, again, right. You, you see, the, you see where his focus was on improving and it's happened. So that gives you some optimism that, you know, he continues to grow. Yeah, and I, I think I think you can see the IQ. Like again, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say like I, I, all right, I have three hours Nathan Knight film. Let's do it. But um, I haven't done that. But I have watched a lot of highlights. And 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 something I noticed is like he's and this is a skill that the Knicks didn't really get to utilize a whole lot from Obi Toppin, but it was something he could do and something that came in handy when they did use it. Like on the short roll, like he he threw like one pass that really flashed to me, where he just like caught it, center came over, he just right away zipped it out to a corner shooter. For three like was that something that was apparent in his college game or do you think that's another thing like he has taken the time to develop since coming to the league he grew it but i think that that's where sort of those those guard skills have yeah. translated a little bit like he's always been a pretty good passer um yeah. as a big man um, yeah you know. yeah and i mean i i think you combine that with his that his hands are clearly really strong he likes to make contact he likes to bounce to box out he cleans up really ra- well around the basket like even if he's a guy who plays in 10 games this year for the Knicks, like you get the feeling he can give them some important minutes. Um, I, I guess I wanted to, to finish up on this. Like um, you, you have a quote in there or it's not, not a quote, but just something you wrote in there. Um, his parents look forward to the day. He'll be around more often. They hope he can be a role model to Syracuse children dealing with similar struggles. Um, you noted, I don't know how real this was, but like maybe there was some consideration his senior year to uh, grad transferring to Syracuse. I know that was, I, or at least correct me if I'm wrong on this, but that was pre-transfer portal. So he would have had to be a grad transfer. I was just a few credits short, but now belatedly four years later, makes his way back to New York on the Knicks. Like what, what do you think it, it means to him and his family that like this journey's kind of come full circle? Like 
he, he maybe he didn't get to play at Syracuse like he dreamed of, but but he's doing one better on the New York Knicks. Gets to come home, and I, I guess to like the point of like someone who was like forced by tragedy to be very conscientious of of like some of the struggles of his community, like very early in his life, and and just from his like economic situation, very early in life. Like, what do you think that means to him? That like. I mean, I'm sure he was giving back well before this, but like now there'll be like real proximity there. And the fact that like a lot of kids in Syracuse are going to be watching the Knicks and, and inevitably be watching him and someone from there who, who made it out and is doing incredible things. Yeah. So it, it's funny because, um, you know, he was not a big time recruit. Um, so he just wasn't at Syracuse's level. Those schools were not coming around to see him mm. but his parents felt some kind of way about the local school not seeing in their son what they thought was there uh they were still a little you know miffed that, that Syracuse didn't offer him uh initially so uh I'm sure his mom who is his biggest supporter and like loves him so much is really really like relishing the idea that he's coming back to New York like as an NBA player like that uh, you know, I'm glad we had this conversation. Like I'm going to text her because I, I'm sure that she is like just over the moon, happy uh, and, and feeling justified. And, um, you know, knowing how close they are and how much he cares about his mom. Like I would guess that that is what he takes pride in. You know, the, the fact that, that, that my mom is so happy right now and she like gets to like feel, um, you know, that, that sort of uh, vindication. Um and just that family deserves it, you know, like, yeah. like they, they've been through all that, um, you know, to go through all that and to have parents have that support of uh, I'm just super happy for them. Yeah, there's something I mean, just an incredibly storybook about it. I think, I think that's why I wanted to talk to you, Chris. Like, it just feels like a guy that like I want to root for. I'm sure you're rooting for and like Knicks fans everywhere should be rooting for to get an opportunity and to make the most out of it uh real quick any 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 high expectations for uh for syracuse basketball this year i know uh, maybe maybe someone who should be on the knicks radar uh judah mintz uh, potentially top 10 to 15 pick in next year's draft yeah judah's really good um i mean if he if he develops a shot hmm. like he's gonna go there uh you know because he is that dynamic like a driving guard but last year you could play off him a little bit but but he and he was still blown by guys right it, it was that uh you know I hate comparing guys to NBA guys, right? But but he had he had, he had the Russ Westbrook, just like it doesn't yeah. matter how far you play off me, like I can still get by you, like mm. thing going on. Um, didn't have the not not quite as athletic as Russ, but yeah, you know, it almost reminds me of Drew Holiday a little bit, where they're like everything else was there, and then when the jumper came along, it was like all right, that that's an All NBA player all of a that, sudden. That, that, so yeah, it's a better comparison. Uh, and JJ right. Starling too, they're gonna have a really yeah. backcourt. You know, he was a five star guy that went to Notre Dame and. Um, transferred back home so they have two really good guards all right chris we'll, we'll have to have you back on we have some judah mints nate knight pick and rolls in our future but thank you so much for doing this um before i let you go because i'm sure there are a ton of people watching who are syracuse sports fans um can you tell everyone where they can find all your great work yeah thanks so much um so uh c carlson uh on su on twitter um as gavin mentioned syracuse.com and it's the syracuse post standard if you are still somehow a print reader uh and you want that product but uh i appreciate you having me you know what, man? Print, print hits different. I'm, I'm, I'm still a fan. But, but thank you. Thank you to everyone who tuned in. And we'll talk to you all soon on Locked on Knicks.